Greet one another before you take seats. And would you please just explain the Trinity to one another before you take your seats. Thanks. As you heard in my prayer, David Malta, our beloved brother who has been serving us from way back, daybreak days, over to Church of the Hills, then over to when we merged here. And David was always there, always serving. He helped us load and unload the trailers on Sundays. When we used to set up in the, the school, David was there helping to unload and load the trailers. One, one comic experience I had was that there was a group of young men standing alongside the trailer discussing leadership. And these are the things that mark a good leader in the world. And while these young men stood there speaking about good leadership, David Malta was pushing carts up into the back of the trailer. And I had to go to them and say, excuse me, what about leadership? Do you think servanthood has got anything to do with leadership? Oh yeah, leaders are servants. I said, well, look behind you. David Malta is loading the trailer while you guys stand here and discuss the big ideas of leadership. Don't you think you should rather lead? It was one of those satisfying moments in life. (laughs) David was always there at the back greeting people. I remember one Sunday we had a man show up who was very threatening. I mean, he was the kind of person that you want to call 911 and have him hauled away. David dealt with him. David just took him aside, talked to him calmly, sent him on his way. So David has been serving us. He served as chairman of the board for, for, for many years. He has been one of our wonderful supporters in every single way. And this week he fell asleep in the Lord. And the last few days we've watched him suffer. It was, it was in a sense a relief that David has gone home to be with the Lord. And he's waiting there for us. And believe me, it's not going to be long before we're going to be there too. But just want to encourage you to continue to comfort Paula in the days to come. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you that we've had the experience of seeing how you have changed lives and we saw the way in which you changed David. And you made him into a man who was, as when we asked people, who do you see in this church who's like Jesus Christ? People would speak about David. And thank you that right now he's rejoicing in your presence. And Spirit of God, we want to become more and more like Jesus. So teach us this hour, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Like most of you, I'm a visual learner. I learn from reading. I learn from, from uh, hearing things too. But in order for me to le- really learn something, I always have to t- try to reduce it to something that I can feel or see or describe. And that's why I'm so thankful that when Jesus tried to explain to us the Christian life, he used that incredible image of the vine and the branches. Where he said, I am the vine. I am the stem of your life. You are the branches. If you tap into me, you will be saved. Okay? That, I mean, that, that's how we get saved. We put our faith in Jesus Christ. And the moment you attach your life to Jesus Christ, his life flows into you. And like a branch, you now have his life inside of you. But then you also continue to grow in your relationship with him by staying tapped into him. And as we stay tapped into him, the life of the vine, of stem grows, flows into us, and we produce fruit. And then he described also that when these branches begin to grow and we produce fruit, that God our Father is engaged in our lives as well. And he encourages our growth. He's there all the time, lifting us up, cleansing us, pruning us, in order that we may grow. Now the interesting thing is, in all of this beautiful imagery, there's one person of the Trinity who seems to be missing. And that is the Holy Spirit. Because we've got Jesus who's the stem, 
the Father who's the vine dresser. And the question is, where's the Holy Spirit? Well, interesting thing is one of the commentators gave me a brilliant idea. He said, actually, where the Spirit is, he's the sap that runs through the vine, through the stem and into the branches. So the Spirit of God is there, even though Jesus didn't point to him, use that image of him being the sap. But we have to remember that this passage was taught to them, John chapter 15, was taught to them on the last night before Jesus went to the cross. And on that night, in chapters 14 and chapter 16, which bracket chapter 15, Jesus taught them extensively about the Holy Spirit. And what he taught them about the Holy Spirit is something that is critical to your life and mine 24 hours a day. And the stuff we're going to study today is, quite frankly, beyond our comprehension. It's something that is so enormous that it is hard for us to grasp. That the moment you believe in Jesus Christ, the God who created the universe comes to live within your skin. That the God who created the world comes to indwell you on the inside to change you and to do his work through you throughout our lives. So again, I I try to think, okay, come on, I've got to find a way that we can get a grip on this incredible thought. And this a couple of weeks ago, I read an article on augmented reality and it was like, ah! That helps a little. Okay, now this is just an analogy. This is just an illustration. No illustration is perfect. But there's a sense in which the Holy Spirit functions as augmented reality in our lives. Aren't you glad to know that? That amazing thought. All right, good. End of sermon. We'll go home. All right. You go, what in the world is augmented reality? Augmented reality is used in a, in a number of, of places in our world today. You are going to be experiencing it more and more if you haven't already. For example, McDonnell Douglas, when they're building... No, not McDonnell Douglas. I've got to get this right in terms of who it is that, that did this. Um, hang on, hang on. Don't go away. Don't go away. Lockheed Martin. Lockheed Martin discovered that when they're building a spaceship, okay, they're building something that's going to space, they'd have manuals to tell their, their men how to build them. And they'd have charts which showed them where the pieces went. And so you're building this thing that's going to carry men into space, and you read the manual... And you go look at the chart, and you pick up your tools, and you go and build it. Now, the chances of you forgetting something between the manual and the charts and doing it are extremely high. And they found that that was one of the problems, is that the manuals were written very clearly. The charts were very clear. But in the transition from the manuals and the charts to actually building the spaceship, things would go wrong. So they came up with a way to put it all together and put it right in front of the technicians, of the, of the people building. That's called augmented reality. This is sort of a little picture of what it would be like, except they didn't put it on, a, on something you'd hold in your hand. It's put into a headset. So while they're building the spaceship, they have the picture of the drafting and of the words all in front of their eyes at the same time. So that when they've got a particular bolt that needs to go in a particular place, they can see, and they can see exactly where to put it, And when it's in place, it tells them exactly how strong they've got to torque that bolt into place. And that's called augmented reality. They can see the reality of the thing they're building. But in addition to it, they have this augmented reality. Reality laid over reality that enables them to see what they're doing. Some of you may already have this in your car. That while you're driving, your speed will be projected and the directions can be projected onto the windscreen of your car. That's to protect you from looking down all the time while you're driving. 
and, uh, and so it projects the directions and projects your speed so that it's right there in front of your eyes. This comes from f- fighter pilots. They were one, among the first ones to use that. In their visor, they would see everything they needed to see as they were flying an airplane. Actually, you can also now use augmented reality when you go shopping. You can take a picture of a, of a chair and hold it up to your room, and you can see through your camera, and you can place the chair wherever you want to. That's called augmented reality. So, here's what God has done for us. Once you believe in Jesus Christ, he puts his spirit inside of you, and he gives us the scriptures. And as we live, the spirit of God wants to be so integrated into every single moment of our lives that he is the augmented reality that we see. So when you see suffering, you watch your brother going to home to be with the Lord. There's the augmented reality of, we know where he's going. We know he's about to step into the presence of Jesus Christ. He's about to leave behind this body of his that is now broken down and he's being given a new body. Do you see? There's the augmented reality. When you have something going wrong in your life and, it's, and the, the pain and the suffering is so large, the Spirit of God reminds you that God is with you. He's been with you from the moment of conception. He'll be with you till the moment you die. And there's never a moment in your life that you're ever separated from the love of God. How does the Spirit of God tell us that? Through Psalm 139 and Psalm 103. As passages of scriptures become part of our brain, God gives us this augmented reality so that we begin to see life through different eyes. We begin to experience life in a way that we never could have before the Spirit of God came into us. Now, Jesus wanted his disciples to understand that. And so he explained to them that when the Spirit of God came, he would be the ever-present God with us. 24 hours a day. I love someone come, sum, sum this up in his translation, Philip's translation. He, Jesus said, I will send someone to stand by you. Someone who will be with you every single moment of your life. Okay, now, think of that for a moment, okay? Jesus is telling his disciples, I'm going away. But I'm going to send someone who's going to stand by you 24 hours a day. You will never again be separated from me. They had been with him for three years, but they'd been with him for periods of time during those three years. There were times when he'd be off somewhere else. He'd be sleeping. He wouldn't be around. Now I said, it's going to get better because though I'm going away physically, I'm going to send my spirit to you. And when my spirit comes to you, he will be with you 24 hours a day uninterrupted. And that's why I give him a title of our ever-present God. Jesus said this to them, If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The word another, in Greek, you could say another in two different ways. You could say another of the same kind, or another of a different kind. And Jesus uses the word here, another of the same kind. There's going to be another person who's going to come, who will be with you forever, the spirit of truth. Our translation uses the word counselor there for a Greek word that is one of the most incredible words in the entire Greek language. It comes from two words, parakaleo, which means to be called alongside. And sometimes it's transliterated as a paraclete. Parakletos describes somebody who would come alongside of you to meet whatever need you have in your life. Here are some of the needs that they had. 
Parakletos, depending on its context, can be translated multiple ways. Sometimes it's translated advocate, and you'll see that show up in a minute. An advocate is your defense attorney who stands in God's presence. And Jesus said, I'm going to send you the Spirit, and he's going to be your attorney. So that when you sin, he will be your attorney. When things are going wrong in your life, he will be the advocate who stands between you and God always. In fact, he's all of these things all of the time. He's your regenerator. He's going to bring you to life. You need to be regenerated. You are dead in your, spirit, in, in your spiritual life. He's going to regenerate you. He's going to be your motivator. <laughs> there are going to be times in your life when you need to get up and change. And the Spirit of God will not let you rest. He will constantly prod you and pro- provoke you and say, this needs to change. This needs to move in your life. It's time for you to change. He will be your guide. When you're saying, I don't know where to go, James says, well, then ask for wisdom. And he will guide you. He will give you the direction you need to go. He'll be your teacher. We'll come back to that in a moment. He'll be your counselor. There are times when it's like, God, I, I, I need to talk to somebody. I need to talk to somebody who understands. I need to talk to somebody who, who feels what I feel. And he says, that's my spirit. I know how you feel. He's your transformer. We'll see that in a moment. He changes us. He's your comforter when you need comfort. And one of the Psalms calls him an ever-present help in time of trouble. And so Jesus says to his disciples, I'm leaving you physically, but I'm going to send you another person just like myself who will come and who will be with you forever. I want to go back to that verse just so we see it again. If you love me, he said, you will obey my command. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. And you say, well, what's obedience got to do with it? It's very simple. In order for him to have that effect in our lives, we have to stay close to Jesus. When you stay close to Jesus, his spirit is then able to function in all of those ways. So he meets us at our deepest needs. Whatever our needs are, Jesus said, my spirit will be there to meet your needs. How? He says, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you. And will be in you. Now he's talking to his disciples who've already experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. At one point, Jesus breathed on them, gave them the Holy Spirit in a temporary basis, and he sent them out to minister. So they'd already experienced the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives as they went out and served Jesus. Jesus says, But it's going to be better. He lives with you now, but he will be in you. Okay, now see, this is the point at which we have to be going, Wait, wait, wait. You're telling me. That the Spirit of God, who is this complete, ever-present help in time of need, will be in us? In case they miss the point, Jesus says this. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, will you, re- you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. <laughs> okay. There's mind-boggling stuff. I asked you to explain the Trinity to one another. Now, if you did, please explain it to me afterwards so that I can learn. The fact that God is one and God is three is just impossible to understand, except that there's some things we can grasp, and that is that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit live in this perpetual relationship with one another. And they've invited us to come into this relationship So that the Spirit of God comes into us and He connects us directly to the Father and the Son. So that the Bible calls us new creations. 
The only way to describe us is to say you are a new species, something that never existed before the Spirit of God fell upon this world. You are a new species, a new creation in Christ Jesus, and you have this direct connection with the Spirit of God. Now, some people go, well, in that case, we should see wonderful things happening. You know, we should see sparks flying and all kinds of things. Let me assure you that one of the most powerful ways the Spirit shows up is the way he changes us from the inside out. And the way he changes what you long for, what you love, what you live for. He changes you so that your value systems begin to shift. And you begin to develop the character of Jesus Christ. It takes time. Fruit grows slowly. Okay, Believe me, you go outside and say, all right, it's spring. Let's have some peaches on that tree. And the tree goes, it takes a while. Nope, I want peaches now. I want them immediately. It takes a while for them to grow. So keep in mind that while you're looking at this, the Spirit of God is in you if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. And he's already doing that work. He's already available. So that whatever it is you need, he's there and available for your, to meet your needs. Now, that concept of, of, of him rea- being our, our uh, augmented reality, let me just walk you through some ways in which he is our reality augmenter. Over in chapter 16, Jesus says this, but very truly I tell you, It is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. He's talking to the disciples. He says, I'm going away. And you can imagine them going, are you kidding? You're going to leave us? For three years, you've prepared us to to be part of your kingdom. And you're going to leave? How are we going to survive? He says, it's for your benefit. How can it be for their benefit that he goes away? Between this room... And he's ascending to heaven. What event happened? He's teaching them in this room on the night of the last Passover. Later he's going to ascend into heaven. What event comes between those two, these two time frames? The cross. The next day he will go to the cross and he will die to take the punishment for our sins. And in that sense is how he goes away. And if he didn't go to the cross and die on the cross, they would have died physically and, gone, and lived for eternity With no hope at all. It's for your benefit, he said, that I go away. There's also another reason why it's for for our benefit, and that is because then he could send his spirit. When he ascended to heaven, he then sent his spirit down. And so it was for their benefit that he had to go away. And he says this. But when he comes, he will prove to the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because people do not believe in me. So the Spirit of God, when he came down and as he works now, begins to work in our hearts and our minds long before we believe in Christ. He works in our hearts and minds and begins to convince us of the fact of sin. We don't believe we're sinners. Don't look at me so self-righteously. We don't. You know, you confront somebody about their sin, what will they do? They'll find all kinds of ways to explain why. Oh, no, that's not true of me. No, no, I don't really sin. I'm actually a very good person. I'm a wonderful person overall. You know, The Spirit of God says, nope, that's sin. And there are times in your life and mine when he does that. He comes in and... and now, understand this. In the life of a believer, when he convicts us of sin, it's not to crush us. It's in order to bring us to the place of forgiveness. So when he does it, it's not, it's not, it's not because he's, he's wanting to beat up on us. It's because he's wanting to heal us. But this is the whole world about sin. 
and about righteousness and judgment about sin. The world may not want to understand and may not want to believe that when Jesus died on the cross, he was being punished for sin, but that's a fact of life. And there comes a time when in all of our lives as we're brought to faith in him, we finally begin to understand in that, that it's only by believing in Jesus Christ that we can be forgiven. About righteousness, he said, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. He ascended into the presence of God and he's going to come back again. The world will know he's king. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. That's wonderful news. Satan is not alive and well on planet Earth today. We think he is. Satan is desperately sick and on planet Earth today. Okay? He's a defeated foe, and he will ultimately be condemned completely because of Jesus. He says, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. The word aletheis, which is translated as truth here, also means reality. And so that's where I got this concept from. That what the Spirit of God does is he enables us to see reality. And guys, that's one of the most important things we must learn, to see life in terms of the greater reality. My sister sent me an email yesterday. Her daughter and son-in-law are moving to Australia. And her heart is breaking. She's losing her daughter, she's losing her her granddaughter, and they're moving to Australia, and she will probably only see them maybe a couple more times the rest of her life. And my heart breaks for Margaret, I know. In fact, she yelled at me. And you went away, and Kathy went away, our sister who lives in in New Zealand. Everybody's abandoning me, and, and I can feel that enormous pain that she's feeling. But Kathy knows Jesus Christ, Raymond knows Jesus Christ, and so does her daughter. I had to remind her of the bigger reality. You know what? We're going to be separated for a little while, but just for a little while. There's a reunion coming when we're going to be together forever. And so the only comfort I can give you right now is the greater reality. The greater reality of knowing you, you're going to miss her terribly. But there will be a day when we're reunited and we'll be reunited for eternity. That's the greater reality. And there are other greater realities that the Spirit of God wants us to grasp onto. That they are part of of what's going on in our life. And part of it is when you're going through an awful, dark, dark time in your life, God hasn't abandoned you. This world is a world that's that's a broken world. And its brokenness is going to break us. It's going to hurt us. But God has never abandoned us. And the Spirit of God who lives in us is there to be our specific source of strength, our specific comforter. He's our regenerator. Sorry, who transforms us from death to life when we believe in Jesus Christ. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. The best illustration I've ever found of this is that when you were created in your mother's womb, The egg and the sperm came together. And the egg had its DNA and the sperm had its DNA. And when the egg and the sperm came together, the DNA strands inside of them unwrapped, rewrapped, and you were born. A new creation came into existence at that moment. That had never existed before. That's why we believe that life begins at conception. For birth. Life begins at conception. And you were conceived at that moment. But then there came a time when God the Spirit came down to you and you believed in Jesus Christ. 
And when you did, your spiritual DNA unwrapped, his unwrapped, rewrapped, and the Spirit of God came to live inside of you. Isn't that a great illustration? But that's exactly what happened so that we're connected now for eternity with the life of Jesus Christ right inside of us. But he doesn't stop there. He becomes our transformer, changing us into people who are just like Jesus. The Spirit of God wrote these words. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You and I are liberated from condemnation for our sin. We're liberated from hell. The moment you believe in Jesus Christ, you're liberated. But you're also liberated from the power of sin. And that's one of the things that that is a hard thing for us to grasp. But just as you and I used to offer ourselves as slaves to sin, we can now offer ourselves as slaves to righteousness. When the Spirit of God says, this is sin, you need to stop it, we can. We don't like to believe that, don't we? We want to be able to say, well, the devil made me do it. I'm a sinner. That's, that's, my, that's my nature. That's who I am. I can't change. God says, yes, you can. Because I put my spirit inside of you. And my spirit does the work of transforming you, changing you. You're liberated from the power of, of sin. And we, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the spirit, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. The word transformed there is the word metamorphosis. And you and I are being metamorphosed, the way a caterpillar turns into a butterfly, the way a tadpole turns into a frog, although that's not that pretty a picture, but you get the point, right? We are going through a process of metamorphosis where God is changing us from the inside out, making us more and more like Jesus Christ. And he deliberately says, and and the, the original says, we're being transformed from glory to glory to glory to glory. We're becoming more and more and more like Jesus Christ at the speed at which we cooperate. You hear that? At the speed at which we cooperate. You can slow down the process. You can resist the process. But the speed at which we cooperate, he changes us and turns us into people who are more and more like Jesus Christ. By the way, the Spirit of God is a person. Jesus calls him He. And we're told, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And we think, really? We can hurt God? Yeah. We can hurt God. He says, we grieve the Holy Spirit when we attack one another. We hurt the Holy Spirit. We grieve the Holy Spirit when we are unkind and cruel to one another. You'll see that in a moment. We grieve. We cause grief in God's heart. And what God does is he steps in then and starts to discipline us. And if we ignore him, we're warned also. You can quench him. There are times when we push him away and say, no, I'm not going to change, not going to change. And then he finally goes, okay, now you're going to have to pay the consequences. I'm going to step back and let you pay the consequences. But then you go, no, 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 I'm sorry. And he says, okay, good, come on back. And now we can work with you. So it's interesting that he's a person. He's not a force. He's not from Star Wars. May the force be with you. Okay, they go, oh, whichever you are, the force. He's he's not this power that we get hold of and that we use. He's this person, the person of God who loves you and who gave himself for you and who created the universe, who lives inside of you and says, I want to be your paraclete. I want to be the one who stands by you no matter what comes along in life. Therefore, Peter writes this. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. 
Through these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Isn't that the most astounding statement? That we as believers can participate in the divine nature and stop living according to the evil desires that are inside of us, the old creature that we're living. That's a statement of reality. The Spirit of God is going, okay, let me give you some reality here. You can become someone who participates in the divine nature, becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. You go, good, well then I'll just sit back and wait for it to happen. He says, for this very reason, read with me. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. Now notice that, that he's given us the power to do this. We've got to do it. We've got to make sure then that we continue to grow. That, that, that we add goodness to our lives and self-control and perseverance and brotherly kindness and brotherly, brotherly love. We're to be working on developing those things and the reason we can is because the Spirit of God lives inside of us and he changes us and makes us want to change. He says, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. What does that hint will happen if we don't work at it? You will be ineffective and you'll be unproductive. So as believers, we face that challenge. You can live your life here as a bump on a log and have no effect and no, 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 not become somebody who's producing fruit and you lose reward on the other end. So it's our choice. You can, you can live here as somebody who on the judgment day when we stand before God is going to find that everything we did in this world is wood, hay and stubble, burns up. Or gold and silver and precious stones. God summons us not to just exist, but to live for him and to be transformed for him. I call the Spirit of God the ever-present God, someone to stand by you. And Isaiah tells us something really interesting. He's talking about the future millennial kingdom, okay? When Jesus is himself governing this world. But it's true for us from the moment the Spirit of God comes into this. Listen to this. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Isn't that an incredible statement? God says, okay, wherever you go in life, I'm with you. I'm always with you. And when you need direction, ask for direction and listen. And I will be there to guide you and to lead you in the direction that I want you to go. Okay. Before I close it up, any questions about this? It's just a warning in case you fall asleep. Isaiah 53? No, I don't know which verse you're talking about. I'll have to look it up for you later. So, verse 9. It's from the Bible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's a sense in which... All of this knowledge should make us go, ah, that's crazy. That's, that's beyond what I could possibly imagine. Every generation has discovered something that was always there in the Bible. 
And it's interesting that you go back three or four generations, they knew nothing about this. The weirdest thing, it just got all buried somewhere. But then it began to surface, and it's always been there in the Bible. And it's always been there that God has already been at work in many individuals. But now, more of us are aware of it. More of us can participate in it. More of us can grow as a result of it. I found this, this really uh, interesting summary in a new book that just came out from uh, Francis Chan. He says this, have you ever imagined what life, what a caterpillar thinks about? He says, for all its caterpillar life, it crawls around on a small batch of dirt and up and down a few plants. Then one day it takes a nap, a long nap. And then what in the world must go through its head when it wakes up to discover that it can fly. What happened to its dirty, plump little worm body? (laughs) What does it think when it sees its new body and its gorgeous wings? As believers, we ought to experience the same kind of astonishment when we hear that the Holy Spirit has entered our bodies. We should be stunned in disbelief over becoming a new creation with the Spirit living in us. As a caterpillar finds its new ability to fly, we should be thrilled over our spirit-empowered ability to live differently and faithfully. Isn't this what Jesus spoke of? Isn't this what we've been longing for? It really is an astounding truth that the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. He lives in me. I do not know what the spirit will do or where he will lead me each time I invite him to guide me. But I am tired of living in a way that looks exactly like the people who do not have the Spirit of God living in them. I want to constantly live with an awareness of His strength. I want to be different today from what I was yesterday as the fruit of the Spirit becomes manifest in me. I don't want to keep on crawling when I have the ability to fly. Good word, eh? Let's pray together. Father God, Again, this is such a, 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 an elusive truth. But it's truth that you taught us that we need to know and that we need to embrace and live in the light of. And so I pray for each of us this day that as we go through the day, the temptation is going to be for us to go back to crawling in the dirt like a little grubby worm or to choose to fly. Help us to choose to fly. I pray that in Christ's name. Amen.